We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Brian, so five keys that we want to get a little bit more specific with. The culture, obviously, conversation was a little bit more of an overarching yeah. every day into games, yeah. away versus home. The first thing that we want to talk about, and we talked about it in yesterday's show, is that Notre Dame's talent level, position by position, is getting to a much higher level. Notre Dame is recruiting at a higher level. They're hitting the transfer portal more consistently and hitting on some really good football players, in my opinion. But ultimately, the next step, and this is more of a high school into Notre Dame route, Notre Dame needs to develop a better at certain positions. You know, they're historically, Notre Dame has been a great developer of offensive linemen. They've historically been a great developer of tight ends. I mean, there are the positions that they have their bread and butter in developing. But you think about the quarterback position in recent years as one that Notre Dame has not developed to a championship level. The wide receiver position with the talent that they have had, and obviously they were short numbers when Marcus Freeman first took over, but the numbers have gotten better, even with the mass, the little bit of mass exodus this offseason with a couple transfers. Notre Dame's wide receiver numbers are in a better position, but they need to be better. They need to be developed better. The Jaden Greathouses of the world, the Jordan Faisons, the Cam Williams coming in, the Micah Gilberts, the KK Smiths. There's a lot of young wide receiver talent on this roster. It needs to get a higher level. Mm-hmm. linebacker was a position that when Marcus Freeman first took over that position needs to get more talented and more productive consistently. And I think that is trending that way. Obviously this conversation is not about talent folks. Cause I do believe that Notre Dame has enough talent to compete with just about anybody in college football on a pure roster perspective. This conversation is about, they need to be better developers of talents at very important positions moving forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, I mean, look, Ryan, there's always room to get better. I mean, and I've said that when we were when I was a coach and I was a recruiting coordinator, I mean, it was like, guys, look, we had a really good recruiting class last year, but our goal is to be even better this year. Yes, we got a big time. You know, I got a big time receiving class last year, but I need to get a better one next year. That's always kind of the goal. You always want to get better and better and better and better. But as you said, even in the positions where even on this year's team, the talent wasn't big time, they're trending in that. There's like safety. Well, DJ Brown was a really steady player. Ramon Henderson was just kind of okay. Outside of Xavier Watts, there wasn't like a guy you're like, that's a national championship caliber player. But you look at it, it's trending in that direction. But here's the question, Ryan, that we have and that needs to be said. Notre Dame is going to have as good a talent on the offensive line as anybody the next three, four years. Can they develop it? Can they develop it into what Sharon Moore has done in Michigan? Right? What other coaches have done with it? Last time, I mean, like what Clemson did. Clemson didn't ever, like, hardly ever had really good talent on the offense. They had like fourth and fifth round picks more often than not. Right. But yep. they played great as a team. They played great or as a unit. You know, they were fundamentally sound. They didn't make mistakes. They didn't have a bunch of silly offsides and false starts and holds in bad situations and, you know, and those type of things. They were just, they were developed really well. You can, but on the other side, on their defensive line, you could look at it and say, hey, listen, I know that Clemson had elite talent on the defensive side of the ball, but they were also still coached really well, right? There's a level of you've got to develop these players to get the most out of their abilities. And, that hasn't been the case at Notre Dame. I, you cannot convince me that Notre Dame's offensive line uh, was as as good this year as it should have been. You can't convince me of that. Even with the question marks about the talent at certain positions, you can't tell me with the five that they put on the field, you can't convince me that's the best they could do because there's right. no way the team could do what they did against Ohio State and NC State and then go out and look like they did against Duke and Louisville and Clemson. You just can't convince me of that. You can't. Because you can't look like this one week and then look like that the next week if you're actually developed properly. Because you were prepared to thrive in that game, but then it didn't manifest itself in other games. And so those that's a question mark. Quarterback's another one. I mean, that's probably the biggest question mark, right? Is You look forward, Ryan. The recruiting is there now. The, the t- portal plus high school recruiting is there now. Between Riley Leonard, Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr, Deuce Knight, and some of the really talented kids on the board in 2026, there's not going to be a quarterback talent problem at Notre Dame for years. For years. I mean, just look at the 2024 roster, man. I mean, you're going to have, I mean, even throw Steve Angeli into there, you're going to have a four-man potentially of Riley Leonard, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, and CJ Carr. Like, that's... It's about as good as it's been in a long time from just from a pure talent perspective, man. I mean, you have a legitimate potential high-level NFL draft pick if he's able to stay healthy and to continue his progression. You have C.J. Carr, who is a you know a five-star, on, obviously, on your board. You have Kenny Minchie, who's a really nice top 100-level talent. And then you have Steve Angeli, who you know might be the least talented of the group, but like just won a bowl game and played pretty dang well against Oregon State, right? So you have a very good depth chart of quarterbacks moving forward. And you have a lot of development, obviously, moving forward as well, potential for this group. And there's not going to be any excuses moving forward either, right? Because when you have C.J. Carr, Deuce Knight, Kenny Minchie, and then whoever the heck the 2026 quarterback ends up being, I don't want to hear about about failures at the quarterback position. I don't want to hear it because that's a lot of talent to, to work with, man, a whole lot of talent. Just a real quick update, Ryan. Notre Dame did, in fact, uh, Rod Hurd made it official. So uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the show a little bit. Uh, he did make it official. He is transferring to Notre Dame. So uh, they Former Northwestern did, State. Yep, for, it was an honorable mention uh, defensive back this year for uh, for Northwestern. So we'll dive into that. A little bit of a position change for him. So we'll dive into that later. Uh, but you know, Ryan, I, I think when you look at it, it you mentioned on quarterback. If Steve Angeli, if I'm right about Steve Angeli, 
and he's the least talented kid on this quarterback roster, guess what, guys? Yep. You've got a really talented quarterback roster because also Steve Angeli's got more talent than the kid that started most of the games in 2022. He's got more of, I would say, well, I would say he's, I mean, you and I have talked about how Ian Book had a lot better arm talent than I think people give him credit for. I think, I actually think Steve Angeli has more, even though he's not as accurate as Ian was, he's got more guts than Ian had as a passer. He's, he's shown that in his one start. He showed that in his one start. And so to me, like you said, Ryan, there's, there's no uh, there's no lack of talent there. It's can you develop the mindset, the technique, the decision-making, and the guts to go out there and play like a champion? Can you do that at wide receiver? Look, they've had plenty of talent at wide receiver to be better than they've been. But can you develop it? Can you get the depth? Sure, they've got plenty of depth. But can you develop it? That's still right. a question mark. And I, and I think a lot of this – you know, for me, comes down to right now more so on the offensive side of the ball. But look, in ten years, the coaching staff on defense is not going to be what it is now, right? Can sure. you can you like, that's where that culture comes from, right? But you feel like that side of the ball, I'm I'm a little bit more confident in because of the who the head coach is, right? Offensively, that's still a big question mark because I I don't know that he necessarily knows what it takes to to get the offense where it needs to get to, which is why it was so important that he he made he makes good hires. That's why Dela McCall is a great hire. Why Mike Brown, I think, is going to be a great hire, but also why Mike Dembrock was a great hire, in my opinion, because now I feel like I feel I'll say this. I feel better about the potential for the entire roster to get developed now with Denbrock, with Mike Brown, and even with Joe Rudolph, who I have some questions about. He's at least going to be solid, right? But you've got one of the best running back coaches in the business. You've got one of the best coordinators in the business a guy with the reputation of having of being one of the best quarterback coaches in the business and a good solid minimum good solid offensive line coach there's a chance for this thing to be pretty flipping good now we just need to see it and so that's why I have a buddy who was just really down on next year because he just didn't think that the coaching staff had the chops to make get it done and I think that was a fair concern before all the changes now he's as fired up as anybody about next year because you have proven coaches at all these positions and that's the side of the ball that to me is still the biggest question mark Yep, I would agree. And even the defensive side, to your point of, you know, you feel more comfortable with who the head coach is. I mean, that's trending in great directions, too, because there's some good developers on that side of the football. I mean, for a while, cornerback was a spot where you're just like, dang, man, like they need to get more depth there. They need to be more consistent there. Well, Mike Mickens has obviously firmly turned the tide there. And for a long time, there was like a little bit of a moniker of, you know, big time cornerbacks don't want to come to Notre Dame, you know, like they do, they don't want to do that. And Mike Mickens has flipped that script. And I think Notre Dame offensively, especially they have a chance to flip the scripts. They do. They have a chance to kind of ter- create uh, rid some narratives this off season. Absolutely. So development is going to be huge because we're talking about some very important positions for Notre Dame moving forward, obviously. And, and honestly, Ryan, that is where my greatest confidence comes from because I have zero doubt that Notre Dame can be as good on defense as Michigan was this year because I think Notre Dame, for the most part, was as good as Michigan was on defense this year. Like, I, I don't, I think Notre Dame could have done what Michigan did against Bama. I think Notre Dame would have had a chance to do what they did against Washington because we've seen them play against teams like Washington and shut them down in the past game, right? I mean, but yeah. you could argue Michigan's better here, Notre Dame's better there. But to me, like overall, it's very close. It's very debatable. The numbers are very similar. The production against certain – I mean, Notre Dame held Ohio State to fewer yards, fewer points, fewer yards per play, fewer passing yards than they had against Michigan, right? That's the one common opponent. Um, you know, so – but the difference is, is I don't know that the offense has what it takes. Ha, ha, the Notre Dame offense has not had what it's take to get there. And to me, that's where I'm, I'm encouraged because – I think the talent on offense at Notre Dame is significantly greater than what Michigan had. With all due respect to Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson and the guys that they had at the skill positions, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, I'm not trading Notre Dame's offensive skill players for Michigan's. And that includes quarterback. And the only position where you could argue Michigan has really good talent is a position where Notre Dame has really good talent, which is tight end. Because I really yeah. like Loveland as a tight end. He's a really good football player. Very good, yeah. You know, Warner's a good player too, right. a second tight end. Especially. But Notre Dame is fine. Notre Dame's pretty good there. You know what yeah. I mean? And so now it's just about can you can you can you do what you need to do scheme wise? Can you have the combination of aggressiveness plus you know being turnover cognizant, right? You know, being sure. aware of yeah, we can't turn the ball over a ton, but not so timid that you're afraid to turn the ball over. You know, can they be that an explosive team against this team and that team? 
Those are all the question marks that we still have that I feel like Mike Dembrock gives you a much better chance of being that because the one year that I felt Notre Dame's offense actually did step up in some big moments was the 2020, the 2015 season. I mean, look, they didn't lose to top five Stanford because of their offense, guys. They had they scored 36 points, 29 of them on offense because they did have a kick return from C.J. Uh, Sanders in that game. They moved the ball up down the field against that Stanford team. They ran for, I think, it was like 299 yards in that game against a Stanford team that coming into that game was a top 25 run defense. You know, Will Fuller was torching their secondary, and, I mean, and that was a really good Stanford team. Yeah, and and so you know the finish in the top five blew out Iowa in the in the, uh, the Rose Bowl and all that kind of stuff, and that team I mean that even the Ohio State game with all the injuries they still scored twenty eight points it was a twenty eight it was a twenty eight twenty one game in the third quarter against yep. the Ohio State team that was way better than Notre Dame Just, was that year. Just couldn't stop them. Yeah, struggled in the first half yeah. against Clemson, but came on the second half and lit Clemson up in the second half. You know, and um, that was a really good Clemson defense, Ryan, that Notre Dame just moved the ball up and down the field against in the second half. Yeah. And and was so, that Lawson Lawson in those dudes, right? Yeah, you had Shaq Lawson. You had the yeah. other big kid, Kevin. Um, Kevin Dodd. Kevin Dodd. Kevin Dodd was on that team. Yeah. Uh, you had uh, – there was another D tackle that, that on that team that uh, had played in the NFL for a long time. CJ Bowler uh, there was Bowler on that team uh, at linebacker. Well, there's he he was he was one of their yeah. two. They had BJ Goodson was a linebacker on that team. Oh, yeah, yeah, J Ron Curse and TJ Green at safety. They were both draft picks. Uh, you had yep. Cordrea Tankersley was one of their corners. Uh, Carlos Watkins is who I'm thinking of was the yeah. guy that was uh was one of their inside guys. It wasn't they, DJ Reader was on that team, but he, I I don't think he played against Notre Dame. He was remember gotcha. he was suspended or injured or something like that earlier in the year. He's turned uh, into one of the best defensive yeah. tackles in the NFL, at least yeah. run-stopping-wise. Very good player. Yep. So that was a really talented Clemson team, and Notre Dame just went right up and down the field on them in the second half yep. and you know, made a halftime. I mean, so you, you can look back and say that was the one offense that you kind of felt could could, could go move the ball on anybody is their yep. defense was the problem. Well, who ran that show? It's Mike Dembrock. You know, so you look at what Mike Dembrock's done the last two years against Alabama. They've moved the ball pretty well on Alabama the last two years. Oh, yeah. offensively, you know? And so I, I, that's kind of where I'm getting excited about the potential of it, Ryan, but now we just need to see it. So like David did th- uh, some good stuff two years ago against Georgia yeah. with uh, mostly a backup quarterback because Jane Daniels got knocked out before the first, in the end of the first half in that yeah. game. So, yeah. and they were moving the ball on them. I mean, you had the blocked field goal that got ran back for a touchdown. I mean, so it's like the offense moved the ball on Georgia in that game. You are correct. So that's just kind of, to me, Ryan, where I look at it and I say, I'm more encouraged now than I than I would have been a month ago. And, and I'm someone who was a, a, a higher on Jared Parker than most from a potential standpoint. But now, this conversation now is more about if this coach can do what we know he can do based on what he's done, as opposed right. to I hope Jared Parker is the coach that I think he can be. Sure. That would would have been what this conversation would have been about. That's a much more unsettling conversation. And especially if it's the same coaching staff, if it would have still been Chancey Stucky, those type of things. So those moves to me, even though I was higher on Jared Parker than others, it, it he's still not Mike Dembrock. Right. I mean, this is a proven coach that's done it at multiple stops. And that's what kind of gets me gets me a little fired up for what for what this team can be. I'm more encouraged now, Ryan about the direction of the offense, and I have been in a very long time, from the combination of talent plus coaching. But we just got to see him do it, right? That's the big thing is, like, I know what Mike Brown did at Cincinnati. He's going to have much better talent top to bottom than what he had at Cincinnati, in my opinion. You know, he may have had three NFL players at Cincinnati. He's got, like, seven on the roster right now, at least, at Notre Dame. Sure. And so that's going to be the key. Talent's there. Can Can they turn it? Can they develop it? Brian, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of flip the script a little bit here, just because we we kind of finished that segment talking about the offense mostly. So I think I'm gonna skip one point and go down to the offense has some work to do, right? Yeah. Because you're talking about why does why why are we talking so heavily about that side of the football? Right. It's because Notre Dame was championship caliber defensively this year. They mm-hmm. were a very good defense, less than 16 points per game, what, number one pass efficiency defense in all of college football. Like they were really good this year, folks, and. Several players, you know, Cam Hart had a tremendous year. Benjamin Morrison had a good year. Xavier Watts was an All-American. The interior defensive lineman had really good years. I mean, there were several Notre Dame 
players on defense that were legitimately excellent this year. And that defense, as long as it plays as good as it did last year or better, they're going to have a chance to be in that ballpark next year and the foreseeable future. But ultimately, Notre Dame to get over that hump, it's going to be about the offense. It is. What has been the stinging point in the big games over the last few years? What's been the stinging point? And this extended back to Brian Kelly era, and it also is obviously the beginning of the Marcus Freeman era here. Notre Dame has to show up more consistently offensively week in and week out. We talked about the culture. We talked about the philosophy. We've talked about that in nauseam at this point. But regardless of what it exactly looks like under Mike Denbrock, it needs to take a massive step forward because the 39 plus points per game was great this year. Really nice step. But you're ultimately going to be judged what you do against Ohio State, what you do against Clemson, what you do against top 25 teams, top 10 teams. Notre Dame's offense has to take a step forward into 2024 and beyond. Ryan, there is no question that Notre Dame took a step this year in a lot of ways. A lot of that had to do with talent. They still just had better players than the teams that they played against. But even in some of those games where they scored a lot of points, you still came away thinking they left a lot of points on the field. You know, I I felt that about the Central Michigan game. Like, they left a lot of points in the field. Even the Pitt yeah. game, I mean, Ryan, they sh- they should have scored seventy against Pitt. Like, think about. I, that. I I didn't I didn't think they were like offensively like crisp against Pitt. Like they were just making no, plays, I mean, man. Your first two points, drives, yeah. you go down and throw interceptions in in their territory. No. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just like you got bailed out a little bit by Chris Tyree's punt return, and then your offense kind of got hot late in the game. But you had a you had a fumble return. You had two special teams touchdowns that game. You had a defensive touchdown that game. And and in your offense finally got going, but you you know you, you watch the Stanford game and they scored fifty six points and had a bunch of yards, but you're just like that was a sloppy first quarter. Just yes. you know you you, yeah. you were actually trailing by to Stanford in the second quarter. You know <laughs> you're just like it, it just got to the point where they were just like okay Sam's not doesn't have it today let's just run it at him. I mean think about that <laughs> your six year senior quarterback just can't make read the defense in game twelve and you're just like let's just run it all all over him. Like that's not where you want to be. Right. I mean, (laughs) it's not where you want to be. And so even in some of those games, you, you left yourself, you know, wanting a little bit, you know, the USC game was another one. Although I think that one was one that I I think we need to look at a little differently because of the circumstances of the game. I understand why the offense pulled back a little bit, but even then they didn't light USC up the way that they could have or should have. And, and so and then, of course, in the big games, they the offense was either non-existent or just bad, you know, bad. And and those things those things can't happen. And right. so, the at the end of the day, Ryan, you're you're going to need an offense at Notre Dame. And this is where the schedule thing that Michigan had this year does come into play because Notre Dame's not going to be able to go in nine, ten weeks before playing a tough game very often. Maybe this year, but even this year, be, you know, by by the time Notre Dame gets to game. What was Michigan's game against uh, Penn State? What game was that for them, Ryan? Because so that was really the seven, right? So let's six see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Actually, oh, it was that deep, huh? Wow. Yeah, and so you know, before then, your toughest game was what? UNLV, Nebraska, maybe hey man. Purdue. Del- I, I heard you know? Uncle Dell's doing a great job over at UNLV, <laughs> man. So. <laughs> But you look at Notre Dame's 2024 schedule, Ryan, even though we view this to be a much more manageable schedule, by the time Notre Dame Notre Dame's game 10 is Florida State. Before that, they got to play at Texas A&M. They got to play against a Louisville team that beat them last year and a Georgia Tech team that, to me, is going to be a sleeper team that Notre Dame and other teams have to worry about. They, they did a really nice job this year. They've got a really good run-throw quarterback. It's a game Notre Dame should win, but it's one of those teams sure. where, like, you're not sleepwalking through that game like like Michigan was able to could have been able to do in, in past I, I, game. I was just disappointed to see Georgia Tech lost a few kids to the transfer portal because I'm like, I hope they yeah. don't just become a feeder for some programs. I know. You know, what I, I mean? like what that team did this year. You Frank know, Frankie did a I, great I really job, care. man. I was not high on that hiring, but he um he certainly had buy in from yep. his players. There's no doubt about yep. that. And if they can get Haynes King to not throw so many interceptions. They're going to be even more dangerous on offense next year. One of the worst releases I've ever seen of a quarterback. Oh, but you know awful. what? Like, he makes plays. I mean, he's an athletic kid, an and, and they use him well, in my opinion. So yep. you're you're going to – even next year, you're going to have some games, Ryan, where your offense 
better be ready to bring it because your defense – because here's the thing about Michigan's schedule in the Big Ten. There's a reason that when Notre Dame ranks fifth in the stat category, all four teams ahead of them are Big Ten teams. There's a reason. Because yep. offenses yep. in the Big Ten suck right now. They do. Now, that's mm-hmm. going to change next year with Oregon coming and USC coming and Washington coming and UCLA coming. I get all that. And then Matt Rule's doing a really nice job. You know, built that Nebraska's going to get better. And But this year it was really bad. Notre Dame next year, their, their quote-unquote soft schedule is still filled with teams that can score. Stanford is going to be sure. a pretty good offense next year, in my opinion, for a bad team. Bad, better. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, Georgia Tech's going to have an offense that you got to you, you better you better be locked in and play well next year if you want to do that. And I'll tell you a team that I also think could end up having a pretty decent offense next year, Ryan. That if Notre Dame doesn't, if Notre Dame has one of their sleepwalk games, could make that game more competitive than it should be. Is Virginia? You know, like they showed some life on offense late in the year. They've got some kids coming in and some kids coming back and those type of things. They're going to have to replace the the Washington kid. It's good, man. But it's good one of those player. things where. Notre Dame's defense is more – there's more potential for an off day to hurt them more than it would hurt Michigan's team if they had an off day on defense because of the schedule sure. they play. Sure. And so there's going to be some games like that. But the other part of it too is, you know, the offense has to be able to be there in the bigger games. That, I mean, there's just – there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They they You can't give up 17 points to Ohio State and lose. Michigan gave up 24 points to Ohio State and won. Right. I mean, that's the reality. They've they've given up over 20 points. Actually, I think I'm correct on this. I believe Ohio State scored more points against Michigan than they did against Notre Dame each of the last two years. Yes, they scored 23 against Michigan last year and and only scored 21 against Notre Dame. They scored 24 against Michigan this year, only scored 17 against Notre Dame. Michigan went two and zero against Ohio State. Notre Dame went zero and two against Ohio State. Why? Offense. It's as simple as that offense and and you can't say like Ohio State got a 21 or an early 21 to 3 lead and they realized Notre Dame's offense couldn't score so they shut it down Notre Dame was winning until the last minute of the third quarter Notre Dame had a lead sure right this year Notre Dame was down 10 got the lead back pretty quickly and Ohio State had to go on the move and try to score so there was never a shut it down moment that you could point to and say well that's why they scored fewer points no that's not the case Notre Dame's defense in the last two years against Ohio State uh, has performed statistically better than what Michigan's has Yeah, both years. Uh, last year, Ohio State had 492 yards and went for – oh, that, yeah, it went for 492 yards and 6.4 yards per play against Michigan. Against Notre Dame, they had 395 yards and 5.7 yards per play. This year, Ohio State scored 24 points, had 378 yards per play, and 6.5 or 378 yards and 6.5 yards per play against Michigan. This year against Notre Dame, they had 366 yards, so 12 fewer, but only 5.6 yards per play. That's almost a full yard less, and that was ballooned by that one 60-yard touchdown run that that Travion Henderson had. Yeah. I mean, oh, that angle still makes me sick on that oh, play, by the way. But, and the hold yeah. that they didn't call, they didn't get me started yeah. on that. A Big Ten team, not or an ACC crew, not calling perimeter holding on a big play. Hmm, shocker. Uh, where we've seen that before. But the, the point is, Ryan, Notre Dame's defense in both of those games played good enough to beat a big-time team, just yep. like Michigan's did. The difference, Notre Dame scored 10 points and 14 points. Averaged 12 freaking points a game against Ohio State the last two years. Michigan averaged almost 40. Well, right? it's, it's, they scored, it's what, 30 this year and then yeah. 45 last year. So 75. So 37 and a half points against Ohio State the last two years. It's funny because our fifth point was to uh, big game success, and we're kind of talking about big game success yeah. here I mean, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, we can move funny. it around, yeah. Ryan, because it does yeah. flow perfectly. Because that's <laughs> the, ultimately flow. that's the biggest thing. It, yeah. it, it, like the point earlier that Cody made, and, and he's correct. Yeah. I mean, Michigan only has a couple big games a year, and that that's all. That's true. We've criticized Michigan for that, but you know what they do in those big games, guys? They show up. Yeah, and they whip people. I mean, think about it. They won a national championship game against a really good 14-0 team, and their quarterback had less than 100 yards passing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's why. Right? Why? Because they showed up and played their game. 
Now, mm-hmm. I don't think you can win consistently that way. I don't. You can when it's a down year in college football. Sure. But again, yeah. you're not beating Georgia last year playing football that way. You're not beating Georgia 2021 playing football that way. You're not beating LSU sure. 19 or Bama 20 or Clemson 2018 yep. playing football that way. There's going to be a given day where your running game is not quite crisp and your defense is not having its best game and your offensive from a passing game perspective is going to have to carry you right. a little bit. It's going to happen. The sustainability is not up there. I, I would agree by that. We, we saw that with Notre Dame in 2018, Ryan. As good yep. as that defense was, when you play a team like Clemson, yeah, Clemson could match Washington at receiver, and I would say they were better. Do you mm-hmm. agree with that? They were yeah. not better quarterback at that time, but it wasn't that far off. Trevor Lawrence was a freshman at the time. Michael Penix is a fifth-year senior, but certainly more yeah. talented at quarterback. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But the, yeah. with all, even, even a healthy Dylan Johnson is not in the same league as Travis Etienne. No. No. It just isn't. He, he ended up having a really good year. That that kid tried to gut it out, man. He should not have played. I don't yeah. think in that football game, but yeah. he tried, man. He definitely he did. tried. Tough kid. And and and, uh, and again, I'm not taking a shot at the kid. He's just not as good as Travis Etienne. Well, yeah, Travis Etienne in the first round for a right. reason, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And and so when you play a team like that, you're going to have to be able to score. Notre Dame held them 14 points less than Bama did. Well, really seven because they had a pick six in that game too. I mean, AJ Terrell yep. had that early pick six, but still you held them to seven points fewer than Bama did. But that's right. been the story for so many years. I'm tired of saying it. The Notre Dame defense did better against that team than this other team did against that team. But you know what? Every what's true of every single game that we talk about, we say that this is what was in the win loss column for Notre Dame. That's it, right? Yep. I mean, and, yeah. and, and it's uh, it's always comes down to right, right. Let's let's Bama 2012 couldn't score. Right, you look at uh, 2017. You go on the road against Miami, score eight points. You play Georgia at home. You score. You keep. You hold Georgia to 20 points. A team that was the national runners up. You had them to 20 points. You lost because you scored 19. The next year you hold Georgia to 23 points. You lose because you only score 17. Right. I mean, this has been the story every single big game they've had outside of 2015. Every single one, your offense doesn't show up. Every single one yep and that includes the fiesta bowl two years ago ryan where the offense in the first half is lights out and then does nothing in the second half yep it's been true every time your offense doesn't play good enough to win big games yeah it's you know it's a it's a perfect mesh obviously we're talking about point two there folks of offense needs to to do to take a step forward but that obviously meshes into key three of well you have to have big game success and that because it's the offense for the most part that Hasn't showed up in those big right. games. It hasn't and, been good enough. And I would say it's also a mindset thing. That's where the culture comes into play a little bit too, Ryan. Because again, like the Louisville yeah. game, that was a big game, yes. right? I mean, it was night game, high, undefeated Und- team, undefeated <laughs> ranked team. Like that's a big moment. You have playoff. You, the playoff was still in Notre Dame's grasp at that time. And you did not show up emotionally and mentally for yeah. that game. Either, either yeah. side of the ball. Now the defense was able to turn it around at at one point, but early on that defense looked like they weren't they they looked like the offense did on that first couple series, and then they buckled down and did what they needed to do until the offense put them in some really bad spots. But the defense didn't exactly play lights out that game too. But we're criticizing a defense, Ryan, that played against a Louisville team that. You know, this year had some you know, some pretty good offensive players. I mean, you, you look at the bowl game. I don't really care about the bowl game. They didn't have Jawar Jordan. They didn't have Jamari Thrash. I don't care what happened in the bowl game. But when you look at what Notre Dame did to that offense, Ryan, I mean, they scored 33 points, but that was not because of the Notre Dame defense. Yeah. They only had 330 yards of offense in that game. I mean, you know, and how much of that came on the first drive of the game? Uh- Quick, quick Louisville note. Did you see that Kevin Coleman is in the is in the portal again? again? By the way, yeah, he's in the portal again. So it's gonna be three schools in three years, which is not uh, surprised. Not great. It's not. It's not a great no. situation to be in. But not I mean, your 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 point stands though is that there is a lack of, for whatever reason, focus in some of those big games, especially on the road this year. They just did not seem focused and ready to go, and it just did not seem well prepared overall for whatever reason. Whether that is traveling whether that is game day preparations whether that is just a mental block i, I don't 100 know what that is but regardless gotta get it fixed <laughs> gotta fix it because ultimately you are going to play 
some good teams in the future on the road. You're going to play it, and it's going to happen. So, yes, they need to be able to have that big game success. Point number four, which I, I, I actually think, Brian, like this is going to align perfectly, point four and point five. Point four is you need to get better on both lines moving forward because it was offensive line-wise in 2023, there were some really good moments. I think about Ohio State. I think down the stretch they played some really good football for the most part. But then there were some clunkers. You know, you didn't play well against Duke. You didn't play well against Louisville. Like there were just some games where you're just like, oh, like, what is this? What is this offensive line today? And then defensive line wise, it was pretty consistent on the interior. But like Viper needs to get more consistent. You need to have more tackle for loss production, sack production, neck moving on next year. Defensive line can still take a nice step forward. And offensive line needs to be a much more consistent unit. So overall, you're an you are a line driven program. You have said this countlessly. Got to be able to establish a line of scrimmage, win in the trenches, run the football, stop the run. Well, Notre Dame needs to be better and more. Con- I should say a lot more consistent on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line wise. Well, because like we could argue, Ryan, and debate if Notre Dame's defensive line was good enough to win a championship this year. I would argue it was. It didn't put up big sack numbers, but you know what? Neither did Michigan's. Like if you compare Notre Dame's uh, this year tackle for loss production and compare it to Michigan's, it's almost identical. You know, actually, I'm gonna pull that up. Notre Dame this year averaged 5.77 tackles for loss per game. This year, Michigan averaged 5.53. Notre Dame was had more. Uh, now, Michigan had more total because they played two more games. That's why I'm going for per game this year. Notre Dame averaged 2.39 sacks per game and Michigan averaged 2.6 sacks per game. So very close. And that that was boost, b- bolstered by the fact that they had six in the playoff game against Alabama. But the thing about Notre Dame's defensive line, Ryan, is in why it's it's we say both lines is because it's not like that with any kind of consistency. Like The 2022 defensive line was very disappointing. It's great that they were really good in 23, but – like the way that it's been in you know 2021, it was good at some spots, not in others. It was good some weeks, not other weeks. You know, 2020 was pretty good. 2018 was pretty good. 2019 was really inconsistent. You know, yeah. so it's just like we're we're even a, this was a down year for Georgia on the defensive line, in my opinion. They were still pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a you down year for them there. is not a down year for most people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so it's the consistency. Up front, and I do think there's another level that the production needs to get to, in my yes. opinion, especially in some of the bigger games. And so that's why the defensive line is also on here. And I also think that the one difference between the offensive line and the defensive line, Ryan, is if the Notre Dame has the right coach on the offensive line, they will be really good on the offensive line because there is no debating the talent that's been recruited there. That's the defensive line is one position where I still think there's need for an upgrade across the board, talent wise. Now, it's not like they don't have talent now, but I think there's more room for improvement. Like, is there a Charles Jagasaw, Gerby Lambert player on the D-line now? I don't know that there is. And what I mean by that is, for me, I view those guys as like potential developing into top 15 NFL draft picks, right? They've got that kind of ability. I don't know that there's anybody in the D-line right now that can be that on the current roster. Now, maybe Bryce Young and Logan Thomas or, you know, Chris Burgess, maybe those guys can eventually become that type of player. But when I look at where they are right now, I think there's guys that are really good, Riley Mills types and, you know, maybe day two guys. But is there is is do you see anybody that's like the Charles Jagas all the D line that's on the roster now? I mean, if the if development's good, like you could talk me into Bubakar Traore maybe being a first round pick eventually. Like that's possible. Maybe you know what I mean maybe, maybe look, an RML. I don't know. Tone, Ryan, but look at your whole yeah. your whole manners you're saying that you're like, eh. That's because I thought that's because I only saw three snaps of Bubakar Traore, man. (laughs) My point is this, though, Ryan. It's like, but he's such that that low floor, high ceiling guy that you're just like, maybe he could become that kind of guy. Whereas Charles Jagasaw shows up as a five star. It's just like, don't f it up is the task for for him. You know what I mean? And and to your, I mean, because I think Logan Thomas maybe could become that kind of guy. And like you said, there's some guys with high ceilings, but. You're just like, am I betting a mortgage on that? No, I'm not. You know, like, would I have been more willing to oh, kind of man. put the mortgage on the line if Keon Keeley came to Notre Dame? Yeah, I would have. You know, yeah. and so, 
those are the, the, the not, not me, man. Not me. NFL draft space is way too volatile for me to put anything on the line. <laughs> way too volatile. No, thank you. <laughs> so, but but at the end of the day, Ryan, if the defensive line can recruiting can ever come close to matching what the offensive line recruiting is, then this team is going to be really lights out. Yep. Really lights out. And it just it's that's something that's going to be important for Marcus Freeman is he's going to have to replace an O-line coach again, probably someday a D-line coach at some point in time. Those things happen. You know, Al Washington's some point in time over the next however many years is going to get a chance to be a D coordinator at Power 5 school or maybe be a head coach or maybe have an NFL team. Those things, that's just part of college football, and that's true everywhere. You always yep. lose assistance, right? Like the D coordinator who got this thing rolling for Michigan isn't there anymore. Mike McDonald, he's in Baltimore now. But yes. the thing is, is Jim Harbaugh hired someone that could kind of keep it going, right? It might be even better. <laughs> Jesse yeah, Mitchell you know, really with, good. With but... Help from Connor Stallions, I, I, I say jokingly. But, no, he did a great job. I mean, you, you are really absolutely good. correct. You know, you, you, you're going to you're gonna have to replace Joe Rudolph maybe someday. Maybe he gets a head coaching sure. job or an OC job. Who knows? Now, obviously, you'd love if you could find an O-line coach that's going to stay for a decade and do a great job. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But that's just not how college football has been for a while. And, and so that's going to be an important thing for Coach Freeman is if you're going to be a line-driven coach, you always got to make sure that you, you, the, the standard you have for your position coaches at those two positions needs to be as high as anywhere else, if not higher, sure. outside of maybe strength coach. I, I would even argue that they're every bit as important, if not more important, than the coordinators, And, yeah. and honestly. Because a, a, an elite O-line can over can, – can, you can win a championship with a – a, a good offensive coordinator if you have an elite offensive line. Sure. We've yeah. seen that, you yeah. know, and so uh, same with the defensive line. If you have a good defensive coordinator, but you got an elite defensive line, you're going to be really yeah. flipping good, man, if you got the talent everywhere else. So, yeah, that 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 is going to be it. And then we, we, we can get to the last point now, Ryan, too, which is a, a, well, speaking of important hires, that transitions yeah. nicely into our next one. It, it does because the offensive and defensive lines, obviously a big part of their development is physically right. Being able to be at their best peak physical performance. And obviously there's a new strength and conditioning coach at Notre Dame, Lauren Landau, who obviously was formerly, you know, just kind of doing his professional thing was with the Denver Broncos for a time was, has been a, has been a strength coach that has been well recommended by a lot of great professional athletes. I mean, you've mentioned obviously Ryan Harris in the past. You've mentioned guys like Von Miller, some really Christian good McCaffrey, Peyton Manning. Yeah. That they really, they, they're advocates of Lauren Landau and what he's able to do by, to develop a athlete physically. So that's going to be a big one because for a team that is offensive and defensive line driven that we keep harping on, you have to have a good strength coach. You got to be able to make sure that those guys are in their peak physical condition. Obviously that extends past just the lines. You need to have, linebackers, defensive linemen, everybody else in, you know, in both sides of the football in their peak physical condition, because a lot of things that happen, Brian, like most teams, it's about playing their best football at the right time, right? Peaking at the right time. That's all about physical performance. That's all about physical mm -hmm. development, making sure that you are mitigating nagging injuries, making sure that the body is recovering properly on a day-to-day -day basis. The nutrition is good. Lauren Landau is going to be very important for this program that wants to be built off of being built in the trenches and being super physical. You obviously have to have a great strength and conditioning coach as well. Mm -hmm. It's simple, right? It's got to be a home run. He's got to be a home run. It's got to be the right hire. You, you had one of the best in the business and you lost him. That's going to happen. It's part of the deal. It was for a lot of reasons outside of your control, but at the end of the day, You've got to replace them. I mean, that's – Brian, how many how many different coordinator, offensive coordinators does Nick Saban won a national championship with? I think it's four, Probably, maybe five. Yeah. Right? He, had, right. he had Jim McElwain in, 20, in 2009 and 11. It was, I think, 11. I'm pretty sure Doug Nussmeyer was the OC in 2012. Uh, you had He's Lane at least Kiffin. a co, right? Was he a co? Yeah, because I think yeah. McElwain had had uh, had left. Let's actually go look at that. 2012 Alabama football team. Let's. I love that's one thing that uh, Wikipedia does do well. Yeah, Nussmeyer was the was yeah. that was his first year as the offensive coordinator. Uh, their 2015 title team, I believe, was Lane Kiffin, right? So Lane Kiffin was your 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 guy in 2015. 
uh, and and twenty no Brian Dable and and Mike Lockley were your two coordinators in twenty seventeen, and then in twenty twenty it was Sark was your guy in twenty twenty Steve Sarkeesian was your OC in twenty twenty, so that's five right I mean six McElwain Nussmeyer the Lane Sark. Uh, and then the Dabble Loxley crew. So that's five. Yeah. He's won seven titles with five different coordinators. Actually, six because they had the codes the one year. So what's the key? You lose good coaches, you have to replace good coaches. You lost Matt Bayless, you got to replace him with one of the best. Because Notre Dame, you nailed it, Ryan. You cannot be a dominant, physical, line-driven team if you don't have a great strength coach. I don't care how good your offensive line coach is going to be. You're always going to fade in the fourth quarter. You're always going to yeah. fade in November. And it's especially true now that you've got to win four games to win a title. Yes. I mean, and, and I mean, just that we, we talked about that, like physical demeanor that Notre Dame wants to play with kind of that, that just that mindset that mm-hmm. it goes, it extends past the offensive and defensive lines. Like, I mean, what was the one big key for Michigan holding Washington to 13 points was that they were such good tacklers in the open field. Yeah. Well, that's physical conditioning. That's right. That is being physically tough and durable to be able to make those plays in the open field. Like everyone talks about athleticism and length and that stuff obviously matters tremendously to being a good tackler, but it's also about being a striker. When you get to the football, being able to have that hip drive and that flexibility and all those things really matter. So yes, this team overall need to be in peak physical condition because there's going to be a lot of tools to work with. Obviously. I mean, we've talked about guys like Bubakar Traore and Armel Mukum and the body transformations that they could take. In order for them to get to their best, though, they need to have a great strength and conditioning coach. And Coach right. Landau obviously has a really good reputation of doing that from a professional perspective, but it's going to be a new world, obviously, running a college strength and conditioning program. So I think the upside is very high. I don't know 100% what to expect, but I'm very curious to see what the dividends are moving forward here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be huge. And the injuries we saw this year at receiver – in the secondary, those are all part of it. I mean, you know, you had you had all the receiver injuries last year. Cam Hart dealt with a quad the year before. You know, you, you just – those are all things tie into the strength program. And yep. the big thing, too, is the strength coach has to be a big key. The strength coach and the head coach have to be simpatico, man. You have to be because a big part of your culture – and this is what's different than the NFL – and it's different than in private strength coaching and all that kind of stuff. This will be the big question for me with Lauren Landau. I have no doubt that he's going to do a great job getting these players in peak physical condition because of everything that I'm told and all the things he's done. But does he know – it's like we talk about Freeman. Does he know how to play the, the, the vital role in establishing the culture that a strength coach has to have? Because for three months, he's their head football coach essentially for all intents and purposes – as far as like what they're doing every single day, he's in charge of it. He's the one running the strength program. The coaches can't be around as much. And and so if he's not on board with also not just the the, the actual strength conditioning part, but understand the need to to you are a big reason this team will or will not be mentally tough. You are a bit not not just physically tough, but mentally tough. Because Ryan, you know this, man. I know you've played against guys like that. That big, strong physical kid that's a freak athlete but the first time you pop him in the mouth yeah he wants no more a part of that right that's I mean, a guy that did, may be physically we, tough did, but not mentally tough did we not see rocky four i mean did we not see rocky four against the russian did we not see it dude was like seven foot yeah. just building a lab but what happened when he got cut brian what right. happened when he got cut it was rocky over with took over baby mentally over baby <laughs> mentally over that's because rocky was more well you know a, a better example fight. would be clubber lang you know what i mean like in in rocky three in the second fight you know once rocky got him yeah. off of his game he didn't know how to handle it he wasn't mentally tough right um ain't so bad ain't so bad <laughs> <laughs> rocky three now, I don't count Rocky Five as a Rocky movie. I've I've completely blocked that out of my mind. Of the real done. Rocky movies, three was the worst, in my opinion. You had Hulk Hogan in it, just the whole yeah, Mickey dies. It was just terrible, a terrible, terrible. Movie. I actually wasn't a big four guy. Like four was good. It was entertaining. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Yeah. I was a if Rocky. If you guy, were a child of the 80s, you would have had yeah. a much greater appreciation for that movie. Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. you think about the whole cold communism, the cold. Exactly. Exactly. I got it. Yeah, I get that. Um, 
But back to football. The yes. the point is though, Ryan, is mental toughness is every bit as important as physical toughness when it comes to football. Mm-hmm. Mental toughness is what it's not just your peak physical conditioning that makes you bear down in the fourth quarter. It's yep. also that you are fatigued, but you don't slip here. Right? I mean, that's the difference. Yeah, you're gonna be to- you're gonna be tired in November. I don't care who your strength coach is, but are you able to dig down deep and bear down here and in here? That's a lot of times the difference. You can have two great strength coaches in regard to building up the bodies, but the guy that's able to build up the spirit and the mind from a toughness standpoint is going to do better than the guy who only focuses on the body. And that's what Lauren Lando has to prove. And if he's a home run higher, then that's going to be a big step. If he's not, then yep. to what degree is he not? Is he just slightly not? Okay, then you'll still be okay. Or is yep. it just like, okay, he doesn't have it. That's yep. gonna we're gonna find out. But if that's a, if that ends up being a home run higher, then Notre Dame's gonna be pretty good, in my opinion. Well, well, if that's a really good hire on top of Mike Denbrock returning and on top of hopefully me, being able to bring back Al Golden, then you're in a pretty good spot if you're Notre yeah. Dame football. So those are the, some of the keys, folks. We're gonna talk about Rod Hurd, obviously former Northwestern defensive back who just committed to Notre Dame next. We'll have a mailbag after, so make sure to put in the mailbag questions at, at any point in the chat. want to say, though, for you all, please, before we get to the next conversation of Rod Hurd, newest addition to Notre Dame football program, please hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Notification bell if you listen to us on YouTube. Any and all of your favorite podcast platforms, subscriptions over there, and five-star views are always very, very much appreciated. We'll get to Rod Hurd next on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs> 